Grow Microbiology, a podcast dedicated to the sharing of ideas, best practices, teaching tips, educational solutions, and other exciting topics in microbiology. I'm Valerie Kramer, a part of the product team here at McGraw-Hill, and I'm in our Dubuque office, which is home to our life sciences team, Dubuque, Iowa, I should say. On this episode, I'm honored to introduce Jason Fuhrer, who teaches microbiology at one of the top schools in the nation, and in my opinion, the best in the SEC conference, my alma mater, the University of Missouri. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, how about them Tigers versus number one Alabama this weekend? Yeah, that was a little tough. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully the rest of the season is not like that. Yeah, I'm here in the (laughs) microbiology and immunology department at Mizzou. Uh, We're in Columbia, Missouri, Como. You might have seen us in the news recently. I wanted to give a quick shout out to Mizzou and to our newly minted Nobel Prize winner in chemistry, Dr. George Smith. Uh, What a lifetime of accomplishments he's had. I'm, I'm not there yet. Uh, but certainly something to be super proud of for our institution. Oh, absolutely. Congratulations. So to start off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself personally and how you became interested in microbiology oh, and sure. in teaching? Um, wow. I mean, that's that's a long story. I'll, I'll try and hit the, the highlights, I guess. But I, I always loved science. Um, when I first came to college, I did chem and psych as undergrad. Um, I thought I was going to be a physician when I first started in the school. I, science was easy for me. I, I love the puzzles. I love the logicness of all of it. Um, I like tutoring my friends that didn't get it. Um, but it, I, plans changed. I, I ended up just kind of falling in love with being at the bench top um, and doing a lot of research work. I, I lost interest in the patient side of things. Um, but I, I love the excitement when I found something in research that, you know, for me, it was that, that thing that kept you going because research doesn't work all the time. Uh, but, you know, I knew that when it did work, I was the only one in the universe that knew a particular thing for the day, which was awesome. Um, and I did. I, I ended up kind of realizing that just finding something was unimportant, but finding it and sharing it or helping people with it or connecting that back to something else was was really what kept me going and why I loved micro overall, especially the research side. Um, and then I did. I, I joined graduate school. I took a microbiology course. I fell in love and never looked back. Um, so after grad school, I did postdoc, teaching faculty appointment. I'm, I've been at Mizzou forever, like since undergrad days. So that makes me a little old and strange. I, I practice my old man voice for campus all the time of, you know, like back in my day, that was the general classroom building and Brady Commons and the students that look at me and they're like, you're out of your mind, which is probably true. But um, so, yeah, that's that was how uh, I had micro um, for for teaching sides of things. Um, I, I did. I'm, I'm very glad that, you know, I, I was not a physician. Um, I, I would have been terrible. I, did you take that pill I told you to? No, it's get the hell out of my office. I can't, I can't deal with you. Um, so I was, I was very happy to, to, uh, to, to be a teacher because then at least I knew my students wanted to learn something. They came there with open minds. Um, you know, that's, that's my approach for teaching stuff is you're here for a reason. You're here to learn something and, and take that information and make the world better. Um, when I first started teaching, it was a, it was a process. Uh, I started in the med student microbiology wet lab and I was basically like one lecture ahead of the students I, I knew nothing I was just a fresh wet behind the ears graduate student so I'm, I'm happy to say that teaching and improving my teaching has always been a process I, I went from very meh reviews and I don't like meh so mm-hmm. I've, I've 
you know, worked hard to uh, to become a better teacher. It, it didn't just happen. It's 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 been a long journey. Yeah, never settle. We're talking about you mentioned making the world better. One of the things that you're passionate about is actually bringing microbiology into real life in your classroom. Can you tell oh, us yeah. why that is important? Absolutely. Um, so I did. I, I started out uh, teaching like the basics, microbiology for majors. Um, and, you know, it was it was just kind of dull. It was all the stuff we've been rehashing since, you know, we, we first learned about viruses with Bejerink and started doing gram stains in the 1800s. I mean, it was it was dull. Um, but I, I did. I met my wife uh, through mutual friends. And as we got married and stuff like that, uh, she was an RN. And, and then eventually the course that I was teaching spun off to be a freshman sophomore level course teaching the next generation of nurses, our, our future you know, pre-nursing people. So I decided I just wanted to do something different. Um, I was tired of teaching biochemistry for 75% of the semester parading from chapters one through 20 just to get to diseases and things that they cared about and rush through that for the last quarter of the semester and the students were just bored with it. Um, we did gram staining. We did unknown identification in lab. We made our own media. And students hated it. Um, and I did. I just got this bug to do something different. So I, I started showing my wife all of my lecture notes. Um, that's actually now immortalized in every set of notes I put up. There's a slide that says notes from my wife, a real RN, um, where she does. She goes through everything. And, and a lot of times it's I, I won't lie. It's it's good comments like what is all of this garbage that like your nurse is never going to think about this at all. They have tons of other stuff to do. Can't we take this and make it more usable to them, more relevant? And that's that was the revelation. That was the light bulb. That was the explosions coming out of the ears. And I did. I started restructuring my course. So I don't teach from chapter one to chapter 30. Um, I blend it up. So I think now that if I teach a few basics, we connect it to a few diseases, we can do structure, function, and some virulence factors as some archetypes of, you know, paradigms of this is how it always works. And if you give them a few of those pieces in a lecture or two, then they're able to understand skin and eye infections and neurological diseases. So that's that's like my whole first chunk of the course is we take a little bit of basic stuff and we pair that with how it works inside of a disease state. So I really think that the students respond to that well because then they go, all right, so this was dull, right? This was a lecture that was un, uninteresting, but I can connect all that information to why my patient is sick. And that relevance just sucks them in. I mean, it, it's great from that, that day one, like you're not going to like this about flagella, but you're going to thank me later when we talk about urinary tract infections or something like that. So now like one of my newest catchphrases in class is, see, I, I told you I'm not probably making all this up. You're going to need it. You're going to see it. You're going to be part of this later on, making sure that they really understand that this is where they're going. Um, I, I did some reading. I got plenty of articles like sitting here on my desk that I thought I'd give a shout out to for different things that I've learned about uh, stuff from uh, faculty focus and uh, journal or chronicle of higher education on helping students memorize, giving them just the things that they're going to need or want. Can we help them memorize better? Um, helping students remember for a lifetime, not just a semester. I, I think the worst thing is, is that if you don't connect it to real life relevance, they're going to go, well, I'm sure glad that's over with and then just hit the flush button and out it goes from their memory and they'll never think about it again. So, um, you know, there were there were a ton of reasons where relevance became 
the main driving force behind my course. That's great. I love that you use your resources at home. I know we all don't have an RN at home, but I'm sure right. we all could find one. <laughs> Good. They're everywhere. <laughs> yes, that's great. And so, you know, we always are hearing the word relevancy in higher education mm. and how you're incorporating it. Do you think that it has, it, it's been a part of your teaching uh, and it, it's developed. Has mm. Do you think it's become in general more important throughout the past few years? Do you see it more or do you think it's more important? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, for for me and my students here, um, you, you know, it's they're they're all techies. I mean, they love their online stuff as we've gone through this online revolution and, uh, you know, distance learning kind of thing. Um, you know, the amount of information that we've had that we can dump on students is just exploding. And so as we talk more about, you know, relevance and relevancy uh, of the material, it is. Students come in feel feeling completely overwhelmed. I mean, I, I just look at them coming out of basic chemistry and basic biology, and they're like, there's so much to know. I just memorized a couple things, flushed the rest, and I'll just look it up when I, you know, when I want to. But if we can connect it back to their tech or let them use their tech or encourage some of that, you know, then they do. Then they see that relevance um, and they try and learn more. I mean, there was a there was a McGraw-Hill article about, you know, 50% of people or more prefer digital learning. It's just ingrained um, in the students now. So we've tried very hard to take the material um, and, and I turn it into um, videos. We let the students create videos uh, of, you know, like I want you to just go home and record yourself mocking through, like set up a script and create a video of how this would look for a future health professional. Um, we use a ton of apps that really pull in, you know, tight, quick information, um, things from figure one to things on the CDC. Some of those apps are great for keeping the material really relevant. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the online stuff where it just feeds them the small little pieces. So through Learn Smart and Connect and some of the modules that we use, I mean, that does it reviews that that basic information and then they take that basics and they apply it relevantly to a real case study for solving that on the test. So it does, it gets students to care about things more. It, it says, I know there's a lot to know. I don't expect you to know everything. I just expect you to know as much as you can and find the pieces that are most relevant to what you're gonna be doing in the future. Yes, and all this relevancy and real life conversation, you have even shared some really excellent and unique ideas, even something called the diagnosis test, which actually oh, yeah. sounds a lot of fun. <laughs> tell, us, tell us about that and how, how other instructors might be able to implement something like that. Yeah, so um, uh, Diagnosis Fest is, is something that uh, I'm like super proud to do at the end of every semester. So I, 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 gotta, I gotta go back for a second. There's two things that I really, really love about my course right now and, and the relevance um, and making sure students know this material. Um, first of all, we do a guest speaker day. So every year um, I, I take a day out of lecture and I invite practicing nurses, uh, the director of infection control from our hospital here at Mizzou, um, some of their future clinical instructors and faculty members from the School of Nursing. Um, and, and I do, I bring them down and we have kind of a little quiz show format in the front of class where I softball them some questions about when did you take micro? What did you remember? How did you do it? What do you wish you knew better? What do you, what do you see every day as you're wandering through the floors with your clinical groups or as you're you know, out there in the real world? What do you roll your eyes at? What do you smell? What do you see? What do you treat with? And, and they, they have a blast with that. And, and, and this, the, 
the number of times that I look out to the audience and just start shaking my head emphatically like, yeah, yeah, see, I told you you'd be seeing this stuff is, is great. Um, so we do, we kind of tie up the end of the semester with this guest speaker day. And then uh, to practice everything we've learned through the semester, because one of my one of my other favorite catchphrases in class is, you know, I'm sorry, nobody likes comprehensive exams, but medicine is comprehensive. The stuff that you learned on the first day is, you know, still the same thing that you need to know on the last day. You can't look at a patient and go, I'm sorry, it looks like you have meningitis, but I learned that a long time ago. Go away. I only know respiratory infections right now. So to help them practice for all of this uh, comprehensiveness of the exam and everything else at the end of the semester, um, we run what's called Diagnosis Fest. So I've partnered up with our nursing school um, here at Mizzou. And honestly, I think that this could be done really at almost anywhere. If you have a nursing school or a health profession school or something nearby on your campus, I'm willing to bet you that they have a space somewhere that they do some simulations. And so I made some inroads with the director of the simulation center. And uh, we do, we basically take it over for the day and I made up a little packet um, and I use TAs and nursing students and former students. Um, there's like a giant, I'm, I'm never at a loss for patients, basically for virtual patients. And uh, we put them into the beds, we give them a backstory. Uh, we assemble my students in the class into small teams of like four and we send them around. They have to stop at each station. They got to ask questions like, what are your symptoms? Or what are you experiencing? Or here's a little blurb at the foot of the bed that's in their chart. And the students have to start asking questions of the TAs or whoever's in the bed. Where were you? What, it, what was happening? And, um, you know, the, the sim lab has been great. I mean, we have everything from um, one case where we have uh, some nurses run into the room and they have a $100,000 mannequin that they have going into shock and it twitches and moves and changes colors and heats up and the students are freaking out that there's a mock code happening right in front of them. We do, uh, you know, a little bit of lipstick on the leg and uh, we pulled the tick because we got a lot of ticks in here in Missouri. So we made some Lyme disease lesions that the students have to do a quick like inspection on the lower limbs and find the Lyme spots. Um, you know, we do everything from a patient in shock that was brought in by their roommate that has meningitis to a couple of uh, TAs sitting there with uh, uh, baby dolls in their arms pretending to be anti-vax patients and asking students to try and convince those people how they would change their mind. Uh, and, and the students absolutely love it. I mean, it gives them great chances to practice. And then after they make a diagnosis or they talk a little bit with their group about, you know, what the case is, um, the TA then helps fill them in, gives them information um, about, you know, well, did you remember this? Did you think about this? Did you compare this disease to something else that we see here? So it's a fantastic way for students to review and, and they do, they feel like clinical professionals and they, they absolutely adore that feeling that they take their knowledge of what they learned and they turn it into something that they would actually be doing in the future. Oh, that is so cool. And I agree. It sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> It, it, it's a it's a blast. I mean, the the number of aha moments of oh my gosh, I finally get it, and that's why we're looking or asking this question is is fantastic. And if anybody out there is listening or is interested, uh, let me know. I'm I'm happy to share the packet. I mean, it's it, you, you know you got to find your own space for it, but you could do just as few as you know five or six cases to 
you know, we, we're up to about uh, 25 different stations for the students to go through at the end of the semester now. So um, oh, wow. it, it would scale up really easily. So, I mean, we can push we can push 60 to 80 students through the 25 stations in small groups in, you know, an hour or so. So do you do they get graded on something like that or is it just a way for them to apply their skills? Um, a little bit of both. I, I use it more as a bonus point activity. It's not required. So we run it during their lab time. Um, I, I highly encourage them to come and do it, but you know, it's the end of the semester. If they've got something else to do and they are behind in another course or something, I don't punish them for not being there. But if they do show up and they complete the entire packet and they answer some of the questions or they diagnose everybody correctly, um, I usually throw them a couple of bonus points for it. Very cool. And I'm sure you probably get a lot of people to show up even though it's not required. Oh, absolutely. Yep, they, so, they do. They want to they want to test their skills. They want to know if they can make that diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So do you have any aha moments where a student had, you know, came back to you or any kind of testimonials where, or stories that you would want to share that maybe in a, a student came back and said, wow, that was that was something I used in my career? Uh, oh, well, I mean, it, yeah, all the time. I mean, I, I <laughs> love adding to my lecture notes every year with just all the emails that I get constantly of, hey, I was uh, shadowing a nurse the other day, you know, before I got into the program. And believe it or not, I saw C. diff. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm pretty certain you're going to see C. diff in the hospital. But see, it was exactly like you learned. Um, we actually had one person who um, I'm totally not making this up. They had a wrong set of units. Uh, for blood sent up from the blood bank that there would have been a type and cross mismatch. So given type B to a type A person. And my student came back and she said it was just like in the simulation. They they immediately grabbed the bag. They said this is not the right one. The nurse turned to my student and started explaining all this. And my student went, yeah, yeah, I get it. They would have this reaction, the transfusion reaction, they're going to lysis. Like I saw all this in the simulation, this and this. And it just apparently blew the nurse's mind. Like, who's teaching you all of this? And my student proudly said, it's microbiology. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many statistics that share the benefits of relevancy in the classroom yeah. Um, yeah. that engage them emotionally and how they connect and help build neural connections and long-term memory. How right. do the experiences you bring to your students have that emotional connection? Um, I would say that really uh, they do. Everybody kind of latches on to, you know, their, their favorite microorganism or something that they've experienced personally or inside of their family. Um, so they do, they, they find something in the, in the breadth of all the material that we're teaching, all the diseases and organisms and stuff that we cover. And, um, you know, I do, I have patients coming up that want me to diagnose them with uh, celiac uh, or, you know, autoimmune conditions, or I, I hear about how grandma had, you know, this one particular infection when they got bitten by their cat and they were, you know, on antibiotics and in the hospital for a couple of days on IVs and things like that. Um, so I, I do, I think that um, it is, it, it's, it's, if you give them that relevance, if you bring that kind of really deep connection, other than just surface glossing here, learn these terms, regurgitate this vocabulary, I, they're just going to remember it forever. And they, they find ways to take that knowledge and then connect it out to other stuff. So, you know, I, that emotional connection that they get doesn't 
stop there. It, it goes, I've heard about something like this. I wonder if, and then they just explore from it. And that's fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. Microbiology really is all around us. And oh, every day. Your yes, your activities show that, and you make it fun, which is. Uh, I try. Micro, does, micro does not have to be boring. Does not have to be boring. <laughs> that's right. Are there any other teaching tips or techniques techniques that uh, you'd like to share or that your students have really loved? Um, ooh, that's a good question. Um, oh, I, I'd, I'd say I'd say two things. So, so number one, I've I've really started experimenting with small group activities and uh, problem-based learning stuff. So here at Mizzou, um, our medical school is taught with PBL. So this idea that I don't have to teach you everything, I just have to give you a couple things, and then you're going to go off on your own. Um, I, I was actually told by another faculty member that oh, undergrads, they can't do PBL. And I, I thought that was <laughs> really short-sighted. So um, I, I really encourage um, PBL style learning. Here, here's a couple of facts. I want you to know these, but I, I don't have time to tell you everything. So if there's something mm -hmm. that the group doesn't know, it's up to the group to then go find that information and teach each other. Um, so I use this uh, kind of you know mock PBL style to go, all right, here's this and this and this. And they go, well, why does the liver get affected? Well, that's a little bit of physiology. You need to stretch out with your peers and go look a little bit and find that on your own. I, I like setting the bar high and just kind of shrugging my shoulders like, well, you can work on that. You have a phone. You can look it up. Don't, don't look at me. I don't have all the answers. <laughs> and I, I do. I really find that, uh, you know, there's undergrads and some of the students these days have gotten a very bad rap of, you know, coming out of poor education stuff earlier, or they don't know enough, or we got to go remediate them. But I, I take the opposite side. I go, you know, here's, here's what you need to know. How are you going to get there? So I'm really impressed that students rise to the challenge. They will surprise you at how much they will go learn and figure out on their own if they're really engaged in that topic. So PBL stuff is, is, and those kinds of techniques, I think, really open the door, open the minds of the students for that to do. Um, and then the other thing I, I say, make it clinical, like, like we said before, relevance, relevance, relevance. I, I know we want to teach about the eight different proteins that make up a flagellar motor. I, I know, I, I've, I've thought about mm -hmm. that, or how you build a type 3 secretion system on the surface of a bacterial cell. But they don't care about that. They don't see that relevance unless you give it to them or you make that specific connection. So I, I think we do. It's not that we need to cut a ton of information, but we as instructors can't be afraid to really narrow it down and go, here's the biggest takeaway points for you in your future. And then, uh, you know, there's more to know. Tell them there's more to know, but then stop there and, and give them the stuff that they really care about. Awesome. Well, fantastic. Your students are very fortunate to have you. <laughs> well, uh, but one of my other favorite stories, my father was a teacher, a math teacher for 30 years uh, in high school, and he was a teacher that nobody wanted to get. So Ooh. I guess I guess students are fortunate to have me. Like just when you get rid of a few, you get another one. Or... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think microbiology is a little bit more fun than math. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> well, how do you see? Do you have you? I know you've seen uh, education change over your time, but do you see it changing for the future? Um. Yeah. I. I mean, I do. I. I certainly see the. Um, you know, the use of, of digital stuff, of pocket devices inside of medicine for, you know, quick reference things. 
Um, so, so, I mean, technology is certainly changing how our students are learning, how we access the information for micro. Um, although my wife would argue that the, the little computers on wheels and stuff that she takes from room to room as she's dealing with patients as a nurse, she hates those things because they're constantly logging her out or kicking her off of the network. But, um, it, yeah, I, I still think digital is, is where we're going. And if you're not if you're not providing something like that to connect to your students, um, I, I think that they're losing that that opportunity really to get more of the material because I mean you can't talk about everything. I mean unless there's somebody out there doing five hour lectures and more power to you if you are. Um, but you know it's I do I try and summarize things and I go check your online stuff for this. Make sure you go look at this. Here's a link that I need you to follow and and they do it and I think that that's great. Oh, that's really great. And I think we need to do a special shout out to your wife. So uh, fantastic absolutely. that she's, <laughs> that she's really helped your teaching. My class would be so much more boring if we did not have my wife on board with <laughs> looking this over. Well, thank you to her. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and speaking of fun and resources, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit to a fun segment we added to our podcast a few episodes ago. Hmm. And that is, what is your favorite microbe and why? <laughs> uh, all right. Favorite, my, I mean, uh, oh gosh. I mean, the one that I save like all semester, I, we don't even talk about it until section four when I get into like systemic and lymphatic diseases has got to be Pseudomonas aeruginosa. Uh, I, I worked a little bit with Pseudomonas in the lab. I, I think it's just one of those like incredible adaptive organisms. It you know, if there's oxygen around, it's going to thrive. You know, you're made of oxygen, so it thrives on you. The only reason that you're alive today is because your pseudomonas decides not to kill you. Um, I I talk a lot about pseudomonas. I think like one of my favorite diseases that's still linked with pseudomonas is what's called ecthema gangrenosum. So my students know like this Harry Potter spell that we have in class, which is pseudomonas originosa ecthema gangrenosum. Uh, and it's also worth like 18,000 points in Scrabble. So if you were <laughs> able to spell that or, or hear any of that that I just came out of me, you know what I'm talking about, pseudomonas. <laughs> <laughs> so so where, where's your favorite microbe? Anybody ask you what your favorite microbe is? Oh, goodness. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for asking. It's so interesting to hear everyone else's favorite. And it's we're in episode seven, and so far nobody's had the same one. So nobody said pseudomonas. Ah, oh, come on. Pseudomonas I know. Is what were the other? Oh gosh, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Oh. <laughs> I'd have to go back it, and listen. Sorry, didn't mean to make that awkward. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite micro? So my favorite is tardigrades, and sometimes oh. known as moss piglets, and yeah. I really like them because they. Yes, the little bears, and yeah. I, I personally love the water, and I love swimming and being by any <laughs> body of water, and so, um, and I think it's just so cool that they're on our food and in our water, and they're not dead when we eat them, but they never get by our digestive system, so True. It's, it's cool to see our, that our digestive system is really that strong. Yeah, <laughs> good call. I, I, I would certainly, they would be a very close second. They're, they're like the the unknown secret microbes that nobody really thinks about. Everybody wants to know like their <laughs> staffs and their straps, but there's so many more fun ones out there. Yes, and I just love how they look like little humans or little <laughs> animals or little something when you, you know, yeah. Yeah, get those, them up close. 
Those electron microscopies, they look pretty cool when you can see them, like, smiling at the front. <laughs> That's E. coli sure. pseudomonas never smiles, but tardigrades, oh, yeah, they're smiling. <laughs> oh, well, Jason, I can't thank you enough for being a guest on our show today. And your teaching is an inspiration, to say the least. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave us with, maybe something memorable or that you'd like us to always remember? Uh, well, I, you know, back to this uh, – Back to this idea of relevance, one of my last favorite fun things to yell at them on the very first day of class is, you know, we're, we're teaching you this because we want you to know it. Um, nobody, nobody walks into your hospital, into your clinic with, I have staph aureus tattooed on their forehead. It's, it's you. You're the one that has to know all the facts. You have to figure things out. You have to diagnose them. You have to know what to do about it, right? They're, they're not asking you to explain a whole bunch of, 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 pillus uh, formations on the outside of the cell. They want to know how you're going to make their kid better or how you're going to keep grandpa from the grave. So um, if you don't know it, if you're just, you know, looking stuff up, uh, WebMD graduated last in his class from med school. So um, <laughs> make sure that you know your micro and use it on a daily basis. So that's, that's what I got as a closing idea. Oh, fantastic. And M-I-Z. C-O-U. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Grow Microbiology. And if you like this episode, leave us a review. In fact, I think the first person to leave a review after this episode, and maybe the second, I'll send you a $25 gift card. Spend on anything you want, even if you want maybe a plushy microbe or something that we can add to your collection. <laughs> Simply email me the review after you've submitted at valerie.kramer at mheducation.com. And as Jason mentioned earlier, if you uh, want to know more about the way he does things and a little bit more about Diagnosis Fest, uh, contact me and I will make sure that you get his information and we will connect all the dots. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher for more microbiology motivation.